Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hubka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs. And I'm Leticia Nyago, the 2021 Vice President of Learning. We also have Helena Hodges, our Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we're interviewing two of our most amazing Metro DC ATD volunteers, Julia Juniak and Amanda Moore. Julia and Amanda serve our chapter in the capacity of lead virtual conference coordinators. It's a shared role that they have turned into a very successful collaboration, and we are so excited to have them here today and to get a chance to chat with them. So welcome, Amanda and Julia. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. We are really excited to learn a little bit more about virtual conferencing. It's one of those topics that I think everyone has been touched by in some way or another. You may have planned one for work. You may have attended one. You may have attended a lot. So we're really excited to hear a little bit about your experiences. But before we do, why don't we have each of you introduce yourselves? We'd love to learn a little bit more about both of you. So Amanda, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yes, thank you so much, Stephanie. My name is Amanda Moore, and I am a lifelong learner who has become um, an L&D professional, so I'm really glad to be in this space. And I currently work as a manager um, in a training department, trying to get the best possible training out to everyone. Thank you. Awesome. And Julia, how about you? Yes, my name is Julia Juniak. I'm an instructional designer slash media specialist um, for a local optical company. So my day job includes getting to make lots of fun videos, job aids, trainer manuals and everything. So that's what I do during the day. All right, let's talk a little bit about what you both do after the day job has wrapped up for the day. And that's been for quite a while virtual conferencing. So why don't we start here? As far as virtual conferencing goes, what does a virtual conference lead do for a chapter? So Stephanie, the simplest answer is that a virtual conference lead really makes sure that the virtual conference happens. So you have a great crew of volunteers, hopefully, and they help make the day-to-day stuff happen. But really, as a virtual conference lead, you're the one with like that 10,000-foot view of everything that needs to be done. So you'll just need to delegate, stay organized, and everything to be successful. I love that. And it sounds a lot like that sort of role has a lot of collaborative effort behind it and with it. I'm curious from really both of your perspectives, how you think sharing a role like this, so really working with a counterpart helps when it comes to building this kind of role and especially when balancing the work that's involved with creating a virtual conference with a day job. And Amanda, if you want to uh, to jump in and share, we'd love to hear from you too. Great. Thank you, Stephanie. Um, Really, at the end of the day, I think it's about collaboration. And I think it's really wonderful to be able to have someone to uh, bounce ideas off of, to get a well-rounded view or perspective about 
um, not only what's needed in the short term, but how can we make an improvements over time? So the other thing that happens within efforts um, such as this is that sometimes, um, you know, you have a really great idea, but then you wonder, okay, what does it look like in execution? How can we make this a wonderful experience? So being able to work with Julia through uh, ideation all the way to execution, and then with our volunteers as well, really made it possible. The co-lead role made it also, I have to say, more fun. Yeah. And for me, you know, it meant like I wasn't the one trying to go on this crazy new adventure our chapter wanted to pursue. It was really great to have a partner. And, you know, we both have worked well together in the past through other programs. So we knew we'd be a good fit. Um, But it's also nice because we both had very different perspectives on different things, but we're able to still work together and work through any sort of difficulties we may have um, or challenges we may have faced. So it was good to have sort of a yin-yang relationship. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I know as a chapter volunteer myself, and I think for some of my uh, my fellow co-hosts today, part of our pod squad, one of the best part of volunteering really is the collaboration, the community, getting to know people differently and certainly to work with them, both to spread out the work, but also to get a chance to challenge yourself and build new skill sets. So it sounds like that was certainly a part of that. I'm really curious for both of you, what was your favorite part of the experience? Honestly, for me, it really was the collaboration. I really do like working in groups and also the opportunities for growth. As I said earlier, I'm a lifelong learner and I really look for either in new environments or new ways to apply information um, and skills and knowledge in a way that's, you know, not only kind of integrated and holistic, but in a way that can be really positive. So for me, it was really wonderful to work with in that yin-yang experience, um, as Julia mentioned. Yeah, I think for me, it was really getting to know and work with our volunteers. We had a good number, a few board members, a few new people we've worked with and getting to know them because we all came from totally different backgrounds, right? Like we had one person who's a voiceover artist, another who's a contractor. Like we all came from different backgrounds, but we were coming together to put this to, you know, conference on. And really it was a team effort. You know, we, you could say, oh, is this the Julian Amanda show? It's like, no, (laughs) it's not that way. It's really a group effort, and we made sure everyone was involved and got credit the day of. You mentioned voiceover artists. So, of course, we have to do a shout out to Julie Waters, who is also our intro and outro volunteer. You know, as I'm listening to you share a little bit about some of the volunteers you worked with, I'm kind of curious to learn how you divided up some of those tasks. Did you find that it's easier to align people with the skill sets that they may have and have them really start to shine in certain areas? Or did you find that people wanted to try new things? Is, For example, this a good opportunity for someone who's looking to build a skill set and maybe tackle something that they haven't had the chance to do in their day job? So I would say it's a little bit of uh, both and Stephanie. Yeah. There were times where we um, had a need and the person with the experience stepped up immediately. And then someone would say, oh, you know, I'm kind of interested in that. And so it really became a wonderful experience and opportunity for people to volunteer together, to grow together, to find new ways to explore interests and also have a positive impact, you know, as quickly as possible. So 
Uh, we did a little bit of both. And I will say thank you to Julia because she definitely did that with me. So it wasn't just our volunteers who did that. We did it together as well. Yeah, it's really about figuring out what are the core tasks that go into a virtual conference and then, you know, trying to group those together. And we really wanted to delegate it to each of our team members. And we really tried to work with them and say, okay, what do you feel most comfortable with? And we let them know, like, if they wanted to try something new that was a challenge, go for it. I think, you know, one of the great things about being being a Metro DC ATD volunteer is we get to grow and to learn and, you know, do it in a very safe environment. So they had that opportunity to do that. Or if she, they wanted to do something that they were comfortable with, that was an option too. It's really cool to hear how you were able to meet people where they were and where they were might have been looking to build a skill they had. It might have been to grow a skill that they didn't have. So it's really interesting to hear that those are the kind of opportunities that came for people, depending on what they were looking for, and also all in service to the development of a virtual conference. So, I mean, kudos to both of you for being able to not just put on conferences, but really develop teams and develop team members. I mean, that's really amazing work. And I'm curious too, from from both of your perspectives, obviously when it comes to putting on something huge like a virtual conference, there's a lot of lessons learned. There's a lot of probably tips and ideas and brainstorms that you have either in the moment or as you go. I'd love to hear from both of you what some of those tips are. What would you recommend that somebody or a group of somebody is thinking about building their own virtual conference consider before they jump in to this sort of opportunity? I think it's near impossible for just one person to put together a conference, no matter how big or how small it is. So you want to make sure you have like a really engaged group of volunteers that are ready to help out. And as I said earlier, you want to make sure that you have those tasks categorized so they can just have one thing to focus on. It's not just a bunch of unconnected tasks. Um, So for example, we had one volunteer that really focused on communicating and coordinating with our speakers while another group focused on our networking events. So they were able to really take ownership of their role. And as they had to share their progress each week and get help and feedback from the rest of the group, it really allowed them to own what they did. And then at least from my perspective, I would say the last thing is to make sure you have plenty of communication within the group and to make sure it's in the right form. I'm always, uh, you know, if there doesn't need to be a meeting, if it can just be an email, that's fine. But sometimes you do need to talk things out. And I think making sure you have that right communication method for what you need is really important to a successful conference. So I'll hand it over to Amanda. Thanks, Julia. You know, to complement what Julia said, I think, you know, it's really important to build those relationships with your volunteers and to build that positive environment so that you actually know, have communication streams already uh, identified, number one. And then number two, that when you ask the question, should we meet this week? Or what would you like to share with the group that people feel comfortable giving you authentic and real feedback? And they're not concerned about, well, if I say yes, or if I say no, what's going to be the impact, you know, on the conference down the line that they know that we have respect for their opinions, that we respect their time, um, and that we want it to be not only a wonderful conference at the end of the day, but we want the process to be one that facilitates a wonderful experience throughout. 
I think that's really insightful, you know, almost from an emotional intelligence perspective, as far as meeting people where they are developing teams and building a community. Because I think to a point that I heard both of you make, it really is about the people. At the end of the day, it's about the people who are building the conference. It's also about the people who will attend it. And it's really interesting to hear you talk about the different ways that you meet people where they are, especially during that planning process, that supportive component to it. So I I love that. And I think that there are probably a lot of people listening today who are smiling a bit because that's exactly the kind of experiences that whenever we are collaborating with others, many of us hope to do. You've also kind of got me thinking, too, because you've both been involved in a couple of virtual conferences that our chapter has offered over the last couple of years. So in December of 2020, we offered a large scale virtual conference. And then in 2021, we had two mini conferences and, of course, began planning for a larger conference that we will host later on. I'd love to hear from you about what it was like to be part of some of those experiences, especially because we may have people listening today who are part of ETD chapters thinking about going into virtual conferencing. We also may have colleagues and chapter members from throughout the Metro DC area whose organizations may be trying to decide, do we do a multi-day virtual conference? Do we do a smaller, maybe mini conference or half-day experience? I'm curious from your perspectives, What are the differences that go into planning and executing those two different types of conferences? Yeah. So I guess the difference between the large and the mini is, you know, there's several factors you have to think about. Scale. Again, you have to have very committed volunteers. So if you have a few, maybe you look for a smaller conference versus a larger one where you have to think about multiple days, multiple sessions running at each time. Another thing you have to think about is the experience. And that's not just the experience for the attendees, but the speakers as well as the volunteers. When we were actually putting together the conferences for this year. That's something we were very intentional about that you picked up on is we really wanted something a little bit more than a day program, you know, one-time program for, you know, our attendees. We wanted to create those experiences where they could, you know, network with other members, get to know people, you know, on a longer day sort of agenda or over multiple days. So it's definitely that experience you have to think of. And finally, you know, what is the objective? Are we providing conferences, you know, our conference goers with a variety of experiences and information? Or, you know, for our mini conferences, we decided to focus on a particular ATD domain each time. So then that way we could really keep the conference focused without going haywire or anything like that. Absolutely. I mean, just to piggyback off of, of what Julia said, I, I know that, you know, this year we focused more on the mini conferences and it really was because we wanted to create an experience that was um, informative, focused, and open. So the other thing I'll say is that um, when we had the smaller conferences, there were more of them than we had last year. And so it's really crucial to you know, request feedback and to, and to really heed and honor the feedback that is provided. If it's from the conference goers, it's from the volunteers or others within the ATD community. When you receive their feedback and, you know, do some research too about what are some best practices, talk with people. Um, That combination has really allowed us to create, you know, successful mini conferences over the past year. 
It's really fun to listen to both of you share some of that, especially the differences. I think it's going to help a lot of people decide what kind of a conference experience would be right for either their chapters or perhaps their organizations. I'd also love to hear from both of you a little bit about what this experience has been like for you. You both became volunteers for Metro DC ATD in 2020 through the the virtual conference and the virtual programs portfolio that we have. And you've both grown to become virtual conference leads. I know, Julia, you'll be with us as a board member serving in 2022. So it's very clear that both of you have really expanded your leadership. And I'd love to hear about how that experience over the last couple of years has helped you or even contributed to your personal or professional growth. Well, I'll go ahead and start because I feel like I was hoodwinked when I signed up to be a volunteer (laughs) because I signed up to do video production stuff and then never did too much of it, which is fine. So thanks a lot, Letizia. You you hoodwinked me, but it's good. You got a good volunteer out of it, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, like for me, I came in wanting one thing and just doing what was in my comfort zone, like editing videos. That's what I like to do. That's my passion. But then, you know, they needed help with other things and I'm easily guilt, you know, you can guilt me into things. So I was able to help out as host and producer. And as an introvert, it was really outside my comfort zone. But I really think it expanded me personally and professionally, you know, to become a better speaker, to be more willing to get out there, network and work with other people. And along those lines, when me and Amanda came into this role, like I know I wanted to do more leadership opportunities without jumping straight into board service. So this was, I felt, a good middle step. And I really appreciate how, you know, like I said before, the chapter really allows us to experiment and grow. Like when we had a challenge, Leticia would always be like, oh, it's okay. You know, we'll figure out how to work through it. Here's some options and would really support us. Like I felt supported throughout this whole leadership journey. And so Hopefully, I'll continue to be supported from the board, from Helena and everyone next year. Oh, that's great. So for me, it was a little bit different. When COVID started, I thought I want to continue to serve. That's a a life value of mine. And so I was trying to figure out different places and different ways to be able to do just that in this new virtual world. So it made a lot of sense for me to look at ATD and specifically Metro DC because I know all of us have different career paths into this industry, into this world. And for me, I had made the career change about two years prior. So I was really happy to be in this space, but I didn't have a strong professional uh, network of learning and talent development professionals yet. So I saw this opportunity to synergize these two parts of how I wanted to live my life, both professionally and sort of from a value base. So I thought it was going to be a really good opportunity. I said, I'd try it out and and see how it went. So it's been how many years now? So it's been going quite well. And I also will say that the the other thing for me, you know, work-wise, I was kind of in the opposite position where I actually do have, you know, a leadership position in my daily, you know, my day-to-day job. And so I was looking for something where I could contribute, share my skills, but learn at the same time, have an, a broader community at the same time, and be able to 
bring some of my leadership gifts and skills in a, in a place where they could serve a, a different community. Those are some really powerful examples and stories. I really appreciate both of you sharing those. It's always fun to hear how people arrive as volunteers, what keeps them, but I think more importantly, what they're able to get out of it. And I'm so glad that this volunteer experience has been able to connect with both of you because both of you have done incredible work for our chapter. And we are just so grateful to both of you. All right, ladies, it's that time. At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest or guests five rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. You guys ready? Let's do it. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. So give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. Amanda, go. For me, it's Unmasking the Culture Culprit, um, Getting to the Root of What Ails Us by Chris Armstrong and Vince Bradley. Such a great book. I had a really wonderful experience with the authors recently made me want to pick up the book. So much of about being a part of talent development is problem solving. And so if you just try to solve symptoms, uh, you can't be a part of the solution. So I really like the focus on uh, getting down to root causes and being a part of making things better for everyone. Nice. Julia. I love books and I love reading. So I'll actually give you two. One I've read and one I haven't. That's on my bookshelf to read. So the one I've read is Design for How People Learn by Julie Dirksen. It's a classic instructional design book. If you're trying to teach people anything, it's a great read. One I haven't read but hope to pick up next year is Your Blue Flame by Jennifer Fulweiler, which is really figuring out what's your passion, what fulfills you, because what fulfills you is also going to fulfill the world. Okay, we'll start with Julia on this next one. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. So for me, it's the it's an app and website called Milla Note, M-I-L-A-N-O-T-E. And really for me, it's just like Pinterest without all of those crazy ads and ridiculous like pop-ups and everything where you're able to visually organize. You can do words, you can do links. You know, I've been using it to plan a couple of things up my sleeve. So Milla Note. Amanda. So I'm actually going to share one that is not a kind of like app, because I think if we let ourselves get really distracted by all of these different possibilities and technologies, so it's not a tool that I just learned about, but it's the one that I'm going to the most right now, which is my breath, Um, just breathing deeply, um, trying to be as mindful as possible um, and throughout the day to stay grounded and to stay focused. Nice. That is a great strategy. Okay, we'll start with Amanda on this one. What is the best piece of either talent development related advice or career advice that you've ever been given? Be the change that you want to see. Mm, That's my favorite quote. Yeah. (laughs) Julia. I think for me, it's not so much of advice. It's just the way I've lived as far as taking things one step at a time. I got into this career by trying new things, teaching people. Eventually I took classes. So each little bit by bit got me to where I am. And I feel like if there's something you want to explore, dip your toe in the water before, you know, diving in. (laughs) Yeah. Because it could be really cold. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, (laughs) We'll start with Julia on this one. What is one thing you're excited about that's coming up in the next year? 
I'm really excited to, you know, join you ladies to help lead the chapter as being a board member and really help with our, you know, technology needs. Oh, we're excited to have you too. Amanda. I'm really excited about the possibilities. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm a pretty optimistic person. So I am excited to continue to be on teams like I have been Metro DC ATD to just continue to optimize not only relationships, but results. Mm, Love it. Okay. Final question. We'll start with Amanda. What is one thing within our industry and our ATD community that you're deeply grateful for right now? The people. Absolutely. The people. Mm. The ability to connect with one oneself, but also to um, be able to translate that into meaningful, helpful, and deep connections. You know, at least from my perspective, to be in the talent development space and to not like or care about people, it can be really problematic. So, (laughs) So for me, it comes down to being deeply grateful for the individuals as they are and and how we can connect not only you know like on the board but in providing awesome experiences for others to connect as well. Oh, absolutely, Julia. Girl, you took my answer because <laughs> I had relationship written down. So see, and- see, that's that's how in sync we are. <laughs> so I did write another one down, and that's also you know the opportunity to grow. Mm. You know, sometimes instead of being told, no, you can't do that, that's not the way we've done it. Like having our chapter really allows people to take risks, you know, try new things. Of course, with bumper rails, we don't want to go too <laughs> crazy here, but um, really allows us, you know, as individuals to grow. Love it. I do too. And I got to say, I am so grateful to both of you, both individually and together as a team for being here today, for being part of our chapter, for providing your knowledge and expertise and leadership to all of us. You have touched many, many people in our community and in communities really across the country as you've worked with speakers and, you know, really kind of brought people into our chapter. And we are so glad to have you with us as we continue to move forward. You both are amazing. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, that's so sweet. That's warm and fuzzies inside. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is very heartfelt. We just, we love you both. Um, And of course, a big thank you to my co-hosts as well. Oh, this was fun. I have to say, guys, I am so proud of the collaboration that occurred this year with the two of you. This is the dream team. And I'm so impressed with the quality that materialized and the way you've impacted the overall experience, as Stephanie said for not only participants, but speakers, the volunteers, and me as well. And so on a personal note, I have to say, working with both of you has been a pleasure, and I look forward to more experiences just like that in the future. So thank you for being so open to share. Oh, the feeling is mutual, Leticia. Thank you. See, this is why we volunteer. (laughs) And of course... A big, big thank you to all of you in our community for listening today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Membership in the Metro DCATD provides you with multiple benefits to enhance your career. Not a member yet? What are you waiting for? Go to dcatd.org forward slash membership application to join our chapter today. Love this episode? 
make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 